On this edition of the Evangelist Podcast, we're going to talk about the terrible trap of talking about God. The Evangelist Podcast from Revival. Find out what's new in telling people the good news about God, the world and you with Andy Brinkley and Glenn Scrivener. Welcome back to the Evangelist Podcast. Today we're talking about the terrible trap of talking about God. Before we go on, I'm just wondering if you get our free daily prayer bulletin. It's a small 24-page booklet that tells 31 stories of what God is doing around the world. Did you know that the gospel is reaching people in Romania, or that Slovakian school pupils are studying the Bible in schools, or that North Korean Christians pray for us in the West? Well, you can hear more about it in our prayer bulletin. You can get it free of charge by going to revivalmedia.org slash bulletin. So, Glenn, we're talking about the terrible trap of talking about God. What do you mean? I mean, this is what we're supposed to be doing. <laughs> the Evangelist Podcast. It's the Evangelist Podcast. We're Christians. What else are we going to talk about? Well, I don't know if you've had the same experience of, of talking with a friend about God for hours and hours and hours. And uh, at at some point in the conversation, you, you think to yourself, hang on a minute. Are we even talking about the same thing? Mm. Uh, because their definition of God and your definition of God are so utterly opposed. Actually, the the real question is always which God? Like, mm. which God are we talking about? And God in general is not always a helpful topic of conversation. Right. Um, God in general could be anything or anyone, but not the God of Jesus. So talking about Jesus and talking about specifically the God of Jesus is a a wonderful thing to do, but Mm. it can be a terrible trap to continue talking about God. Mm. Because I guess, I mean, there are thousands of religions. Yeah. (laughs) Which God do you believe in, you know, is, is an appropriate question. Yeah. And perhaps, you know, for atheists even, which God don't you believe in? Yeah. So how do you sort of clarify that with, with people? I think, yes, sitting with their objections for a lot longer than we do, um, and and taking them seriously. We, you know, we our our best downloaded podcast Mm. on the Evangelist podcast is what the atheists get right. (laughs) It's been downloaded sort of like three times as many as any any others have been downloaded, like ten thousand times, wasn't it? That that one episode. And I think what we're talking about there is is similar to what we're talking about here. What what atheists get right is a rejection of the kind of kind of like Bigfoot in the sky God. Mm, mm. You know, there's this sort of understanding, certainly among some new atheists, that God is a little bit like Bigfoot. You know, and they're they're prepared to say, well, maybe Bigfoot does exist if you show me the evidence, if you yeah. if you you know give me the the video footage, if you give me the the photographs, and if you catch. If you actually manage to capture Bigfoot and bring him in, then, you know, I'm a reasonable human being, you're a reasonable human being, we'd all have to, you know, change our minds if the evidence came to light. And and I will consider the same thing about God. If evidence comes to light that God exists, then I will change yeah. my mind. And, <laughs> but, you know, I don't see any evidence for that kind of God, yeah. and therefore I reject that kind of God, and I'm an atheist. At that point, I want to say, come on, I, I reject that God too. Yeah. Like, I don't believe in a Bigfoot in the sky. Like, I, I really don't. And, you know, Christians believe that God is the source of all being. Mm. He's not like a super being within the created order. Mm. And as much as you want to rail against and, and, you know, have your tirades against Bigfoot in the sky, then I will add my hearty amen, and so will the Bible, 
<laughs> so all the prophets, you know, <laughs> go to go to Isaiah and and you'll read some brilliant stuff mm. about the ridiculous nature of idols, which mm. is which which is so much of like the God delusion, for instance, is pretty much talking about the idol delusion, you know, because Richard Dawkins is taking aim against a created God, yeah. you know, you know, he he kind of. <laughs> He says, "Well, God cannot exist because he would need to, you know, have a creator, and you know, well, who who made God? Ha ha! You know, um, well, if he's just considering a created God, then yeah, yeah absolutely, such a God does not exist. Yeah. Um, we tend to have a name. As yeah, this is um, what John Lennox always says. You know, Christians also have a name for a God who's created, and they're called idols. And the, you know, the Bible is also against those." Yeah. So, like, if you want to rail against a Bigfoot in the sky, then don't let Christians get in your way. Please, by all means, do that. But the God who Christians talk about is a fundamentally different kind of being. Mm. A father always giving life to his son in the power of the Spirit who brought through this this overflow of their life and love, brought into being a whole cosmos so that now we live and move and have our being in this God, this God who now by his Son has come into the world and taken hold of our flesh in Christ and, and, and Christ who has glorified that flesh through death and resurrection and brought it back to himself as the as, as the first fruits and taken humanity into the heart of God and you know all these sorts of things. Christians have a really weird view of the world, but a, a such a grander view of the world mm. than some kind of Bigfoot in the sky. So when people talk about, I believe in God or I don't believe in God, the question is always, which God do you believe in? Which God don't you believe in? Mm. Because it's the slipperiest term in the world. We always need to define it, really. Yeah. So how far would you take this? Uh, would you call yourself a theist? I don't like to call myself a theist, to be honest. I, I don't really... Like because the the whole problem with saying like there's there's theists over there and there's atheists over there and in between there's agnostics mm. is it it doesn't really work. It's not as though there's this umbrella term, and under the umbrella fit all the different religious type people mm. who believe in some kind of god, and then outside that there are people who are unbelievers, yeah, or unsure, or uncertain, or because you were on this faith forum, weren't you, which was sort of. Yeah, a number of different faiths all on the panel answering questions. Yeah, exactly. Theists. We were all theists yeah. together, and so yeah, this this is a something put on in Eastbourne uh, a couple of years back, and it was the Faiths Forum, and and uh, I was sat next to there was a Mormon next to me, and then then there was a Jew, there was a Muslim, a pagan, and a Christian Scientist, um, the Mary Baker Eddy thing, and uh, so there were six of us sat on this panel all supposedly theists together and in the audience it was mainly kind of agnosticy kind of atheisticy kind of uh, audience asking questions of the faiths mainly to make sure that we weren't going to kind of plunge the world into world war 3 with our religious hatred and all that kind of like you know are we going to play nice nicely in secular society it was the, those kinds of questions being asked but like the whole time i just sat there thinking why isn't an atheist on this panel mm. and a humanist and an agnostic and why why aren't there people who don't happen to believe in a god but but have a set of beliefs why aren't they also on this panel because everyone's got beliefs about stuff Richard Dawkins is a naturalist. That doesn't mean he walks around in the nude. Um, that's that's a, a philosophical position that matter and energy is all there is, was, and ever shall be. Mm. And I put that in religious-sounding terms because it is a religious kind of belief. It's, mm. it's a belief in the kind of 
reality that we inhabit. And it has all sorts of consequences for how you live and, and what you consider the good life to be and how you should treat your neighbor and what you think life's all about and what you think it, there is beyond death. And it has all sorts of beliefs associated with. Mm. And I am not a believer in the naturalism thing. I believe in the Jesus thing. Richard Dawkins, on the other hand, he believes in the naturalism thing and he doesn't believe in the Jesus thing. But it is not as though I'm a believer and he's not a believer. Yeah. It's just that we believe in different things. Mm. So when it comes to, like, am I a theist? Well, I, I do believe in God, mm. but I don't believe in a lowest common denominator God that, that is the same as the God of the, the Muslims, the God of modern Judaism, the God of philosophical theism. I, I don't. Like, I believe in the God of Jesus, and I, and I don't think that the term God is, is this lowest common denominator thing that can be used to, to apply to lots of different kind of faith positions. So, yeah, I, I, resist, I resist the label theist when mm. I can, and it gives you the chance to then explain what you mean. You know, I've got a friend who, uh, it, it just turns, turns out, I didn't, I've, I've known her for, ooh, since 1996. So, uh, oh my goodness. <laughs> Is that like 18 years? It's coming up for 18 years. <sighs> Dreadful. So... It only came out the other day that her uh, grandfather was a famous Unitarian Universalist. Uh, Unitarians, they don't believe in the Trinity, so they, they don't think that Jesus is God. Mm. They just believe in some kind of God who is the God of the whole, you know, all religions and, you know, they're all paths up a mountain and, and Universalist, you know, everyone gets to heaven and, you know, to be with God forever, this Unitarian God. And was quite a famous Unitarian Universalist preacher in England and, and wrote quite a few books and and we got talking about that and um, and she said that the Unitarian Universalist thing always seemed very attractive to her how could I be so narrow in talking about the Jesus thing and I was just able to say well actually I, I think it's a really attractive thing because what the Christian position is like whoever God is and we're not really sure who God is are we and she wasn't sure she didn't know she's like yeah I don't really know who God is I said like well, okay. whoever God is I'm banking on the Jesus God yeah look at Jesus look at this guy who comes among us and lives the most extraordinary life ever of, of love and self-sacrifice I'm banking on this guy being God and and you know and I, I told her the line that, that Lord Byron used you know if God isn't like Jesus Christ he ought to be uh, and just like the Christian position is not the some kind of God, I'm not sure how Jesus fits into that. The Christian position is, well, I don't know who God is, but look at Jesus. Oh my goodness, wouldn't it be great if he was God? So at that point, not being a theist, but being far more concretely a Christian actually started to sound appealing to her. Mm. Because what we're saying is, like, we don't know who God is, but but Jesus. If Jesus is Lord, my goodness, isn't that very attractive? Mm. I think that I think that's more the way around that we should be arguing. Yeah, and it sh kind of shows that you know God is involved in the world. Yeah, yeah. Um, would yeah. you say you believe in an interventionist God? <laughs> um, an interventionist meaning that uh, you know God has made the world and set it going, and then occasionally um, mm. steps in occasionally steps in we, we, we will allow God <laughs> we will allow the interventionist God to every now and again make an intervention it's the sort of question that gets asked in sort of surveys um, when people want to get particular about the kind of God that the general public believes in they'll mm. say you know do you believe in God 
yes, no, whatever. Um, do you believe in an interventionist God? It sort of narrows down the number of people who then believe in gods. Mm. People are, are happy to believe in a God who creates everything and then steps back, a deistic God, a kind of a clockwork God mm. who just lets everything run. But what about a God who makes interventions into, mm. into space and time? So do I believe in an interventionist God? No. No, of course I don't. Like, because like he's not intervening. Mm. <laughs> like, like this is his world. In him we live and move and have our being. The whole earth is full of the glory of the Lord Jesus. You know, it's it's not as though every now and again God makes a decision. I'm gonna, you know reach my hand into the machine and tinker with this cog mm. and this wheel and make it go back a little bit or, or speed it up or and and then I'm going to withdraw my hand mm. and then I'm gonna, like like that is such a silly view but what it goes to show is everyone assumes they know what the world is like mm. everyone assumes that oh, obviously we all know that the world is like clockwork and it does just grind along of its own accord but there's these other people called interventionist Christian believers who believe that there's a God who also does some weird freaky stuff with the machinery and tinkers around with the cogs. Whereas I, you know, the agnostic secular person, I don't believe in such an interventionist God. Like, yeah, the, the Christian doesn't believe in an interventionist God either. The, what the, but what the Christian does is fundamentally call into question what is the world like mm. that we live in? Is it really this clockwork thing that grinds along according to iron laws of physics that, that just kind of perpetuate themselves. Or maybe, maybe is the Bible true in him we live and move and have our being? And, and actually, it's not just that we've got God wrong, we've actually got the world wrong. I think so much of our evangelism takes for granted that the world is a quite non-spiritual, neutral space. And then we get caught up in arguments about, like, well, what kind of God might there be above and beyond this neutral space? But at that stage, you're not really arguing for a Christian view of the world. A Christian view of the world is not that downstairs is the clockwork and the, the mechanics, but upstairs there's the weird, freaky, ghostly spiritual stuff. The, the Christian position is that the whole earth is full of the glory of the Lord Jesus and... and we are living within the living and the moving, the having a, our being within this this God, not this God sort of entering in. Yeah, we've uh, I've got a quote here from Francis Spufford. He wrote a book called Apologetic: How, despite everything, Christianity can make surprising emotional sense. And he says, when people who believe in God talk about God, we don't mean that a being exists who is animal like ourselves, only bigger and cleverer and more complex. We don't think he lives in the universe. In fact, we don't think that he exists in any environment. We don't imagine that he had to grow or evolve or appear or emerge, thanks to some process or another. It's the other way up. We think that all processes exist thanks to him. Mm. We think that he is the universe's environment. Yeah, exactly. He is the universe's environment. It's not like God is the Bigfoot in the sky. Yeah. And, and if a, an atheist wants to shoot the Bigfoot in the sky, then fine. Mm. But they they haven't taken aim at the Christian God. They, mm. re they really haven't. Um, it's not so much where is God in the universe, but where is the universe in God? Yeah, yeah, the universe <laughs> is in God, exactly, yeah. yeah. 
So this takes another a look, really, at the, at the questions of suffering. You know, people sort of say, why didn't God step in there? Or okay. mm. why won't God help in this situation? Why did he allow this? Mm. Mm. Um, rather than looking at it and saying, well, God is with us in this suffering. Mm. You know, he sort of experienced this suffering with us. Yeah, in Jesus. In Jesus, yeah. absolutely. And 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 that's that's where we should go with this whole thing that we're not talking about God in the abstract, but Jesus concretely and particularly. So that questions about well, what about God and suffering? We really need to be talking about Jesus front and center mm. in that question and bringing in well, yeah, actually, what does uh, Isaiah sixty three say? In all the people's affliction. God too was afflicted, and the angel of his presence, another title for Christ, the angel of his presence saved them and delivered them. And, mm. and it's, that's, that's always the way. The Father, out of compassion for our suffering, sends Christ into the midst of our suffering, into the midst of the valley of the shadow of death, to take on our flesh and then on the cross to take on our sin, our darkness, our God-forsakenness. Um, so that when you look at this God, the God of the cross, then you know you you ask the God and suffering question in a different way. Mm. You still have questions, but you don't say, "Well, how can God and suffering fit together?" Because you've seen at the cross how God takes suffering into Himself, and yeah, there is the suffering Lord Jesus, and I think that transforms the kind of conversation you then have mm. when you put Jesus at the center of it. Okay, Glenn, so uh, it's, it's quite deep here. <laughs> so uh, We're drowning. Just summarise for us uh, this, yeah. this topic. Talk about Jesus. <laughs> Do you want the longer version? Um, yeah, there is, there is a danger to talk about God. Which God are we talking about? And so often what's being aimed at in antagonistic discussions of Christian faith is, is also something that we should take aim at. Mm. So absolutely, we, we can agree with so much argument that is against God, mm. and yet we are those who believe in God, not the Bigfoot in the sky, but God, the source of all being, the Father, who gives life to his Son in the Spirit, who gave life through the Son to the world, who mm. entered the world through his Son, and can be known through his Son, so that in evangelism, what we're talking about is not God in the abstract, but Jesus in the concrete. And if we don't know how to put Jesus at the center of a question about suffering or a question about what about free will or a question about what about other faiths or a question about what about religions causing war, if we don't know how to put Jesus at the center of those those answers, then we don't have an answer for those things. And we need to go back to our Bibles and pray a lot more and, and think about how Jesus is at the core of those answers. Mm. Uh, because just talking in the abstract about God will get us lost down a whole heap of cul-de-sacs. Yeah. Uh, Let's talk about Jesus. Well, we better leave it there for, for this episode. If you uh, like listening today and you like listening regularly, perhaps you'd just like to share it. Uh, you can do that by going to revivalmedia.org slash TEP39. Uh, there's some links there where you can hit the share button or just uh, email it to somebody you think might be interested. Or if you'd like to leave us a rating and review, you can do that through the links on that page as well. Thanks very much and see you next time. See you next time.